This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. This episode of The Startup Life is brought to you by Let's Get Checked, the leading provider of at-home health tests. Startup Nation, are you looking to improve your male hormone health? With Let's Get Checked, you can do a simple at-home health test that will give you a complete picture of your hormonal health in five days. Did you know that in the last 40 years, healthy sperm counts have dropped by 50% globally? Hormonal imbalances and reduced levels of testosterone are becoming a huge concern for men these days. Male hormones are important for a number of different functions, such as sperm production, maintaining a healthy sex drive, and maintaining muscle strength and mass. Some of the main symptoms of hormonal imbalances include low energy and fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive or libido, and infertility. So how does the process work? Your test is delivered straight to your door. You just have to self-collect your blood sample from the tip of your finger, mail the sample back to their accredited laboratories in the prepaid label, and receive support and guidance from the LGC medical team who are available 24-7 to offer you the personalized advice you need to know your hormonal health. This week, Let's Get Checked wants to invite you to join their community with the 20% off discount code STARTUP20. That's STARTUP20, Startup Nation. It's good to know. The website is letsgetchecked.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. So if you're ready to take control of your hormonal health, go with Let's Get Checked, where they believe home testing leads to a healthier you. Tresta powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their, their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited. Calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online. 
avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to see some value today. We got a big time guest in the building today. We got Christopher Gerd of Gilward Digital Forensics. What's going on, CG? <laughs> Everything all at once. Awesome stuff. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Yeah, I hope I can help. All righty. Awesome. So as always, Startup Nation, this is the Startup Life Podcast. My name is Dominic Lawson and it's powered by the Binge Podcast Network. So first things first, man. Tell us about your path on how you got to this point in your career. Well, it's kind of funny. There's very few people that get into information security and, and or risk management right. after going to school for that. Uh, I've worked with people who had their master's in Russian literature, had a doctorate in mathematics, some philosophy. I mean, it, it's funny how people come into this industry from different directions. I, I came a little more traditionally. I started, right. I started uh, doing phone tech support for Microsoft. In Windows ninety or when they launched Windows ninety five, so you can guess what year that was. Yeah, um, and from that time, I went through. Uh, I was a Windows system administrator. My first MCSE was NT three one. Became a, a consultant for a while with a network engineer, and then after that, was met some friends who were uh, penetration testers for a company, and I, be, I was a pen tester for about three and a half years, uh, and then swiveled around to the other side of the table and started defending networks. After that, I did a lot of uh, intrusion detection work. I, I was a network security architect and then kind of just worked my way up to do director level and eventually chief information security officer for a couple of organizations. And I was actually at an organization that was fairly immature in their IT and their information security, but had a lot of risk. And so I was both the CISO and VP of infrastructure and engineering. So all of IT rolled up to me. And we, we pretty much rebuilt the entire organization, and then I handed it off when we were done. So I like to think, you know, I've worked for large companies. I've worked for state, done work with uh, state agencies, federal agencies, worked with finance companies, manufacturing, and I, I was a CISO and chief technology officer at a startup. So I, I, think, I've, I think I've been through the ringer. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, tell me about those early days, because you were saying that most people who get into this space usually come from a myriad of different backgrounds, stuff like that. But you were kind of pretty straightforward in what you wanted to do, man. Like, so how, who started you on this path? Was like a parent or teacher? What got you into this space? Well, I started off going to school for management computer systems. And when I was going to college, if you were going to get a CS degree, it was programming. It was all programming. There right. wasn't any system stuff. And some people like programming. I mean, I can write a Python script if I need to, but I'm more of a systems guy and kind of a, like an architecture guy. And I like building things. I've got that. I was the kind of kid that took the vacuum cleaner apart to see how it worked. And ah, um, okay. I think that kind of thing led me down that path. So I kind of changed majors. I didn't want to be a programmer anymore and was, a, was ready to be a high school teacher when I got the job at Microsoft. And it just really lit a fire under me. It was like the first time I felt like I was in the right spot. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. And, and I love that you shared that early beginning of taking the vacuum cleaner and trying to take it apart and put it back together again. So 
I appreciate you sharing that because I, I I think I find stories like that interesting, right? It's like it's just that one little nudge or one little push there, and you just never know where it may lead. So I appreciate you sharing that, man, for sure. Well, I think it's like information security, and I think just people's successful information technology. It's you know you need to have some skills, but it's more of a mindset than it is a skill set. I believe that for sure. I definitely believe that. Thank you for sharing that. So, Lynn, let me ask you about your book, because you co-wrote a book, Managing Security with Snort and IDS Tools. And Startup Nation, if that's a book that you're interested in, we have a link in the show notes for easy access for you to acquire that book. But in the book, man, you said that the way you wrote the book, you kind of found a nice little balance where a security administrator wouldn't get bored with the book, but also somebody like who's a small business, a home office manager could understand. So how are you able to strike that balance with your target audience to, to write that book? I think that's what I do every day. Depending on who I'm talking to, I've got to talk about something potentially highly technical and, and very specific Absolutely. to people who don't who don't necessarily know the details, you know, who haven't logged in at a command line on a Cisco router or something like that. And so really the first few chapters of the book are a primer on network stuff, like IP version 4 stuff, packet filtering, that kind of thing, and packet inspection. And then starts talking about the methodologies because Anytime you need to set the stage and, and kind of level set before you dig into the details, just to kind of test your audience a little bit. But I don't think you have to drop into jargon too deeply. I don't think you need to get into real tight specifics unless you're you know, demonstrating a script or something like that to get the concepts across. I talk with a lot of analogies and a lot of visualization, but I don't think it has to be technical unless you're the one actually doing the task. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, what I hear in that answer, and I appreciate you sharing that, CG, for sure. What I hear in that answer is that like understanding your target audience and really custom fitting or targeting that messaging to that target audience. Because as an entrepreneur myself, I know nothing of IT. And in preparing for this episode, Startup Nation, I had to do a lot of homework that you're about to see uh, later in the episode. But I appreciate you sharing that, like understanding that target audience and tailoring that message to them, Chris, for sure. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to come in and be the the geek spouting indecipherable right. acronyms and you're not going to get what you want. Gotcha. I appreciate that for sure. So I want to ask you something about talking about in the book, which is snort and startup nation. That's not something you do when you're sick or have the sniffles is actually an open source, free, lightweight network intrusion detection software for Linux and windows for detecting emerging threats. So basically it's it's a system to kind of help with stopping. I'm assuming and stop me at any point, Chris, trying to uh, stop security threats through cyberspace and stuff like that. And so I guess what I wanted to ask, man, is like, what are some of those big threats that often affect small businesses when it comes to that? Well, a couple of things. So SNORT is what's called a network intrusion detection system, and it listens and watches the packets going by on a wire right. and looks for signs of trouble. And it used to be that that was a, a very important brick in the wall to protect an organization. But as encryption be, has become more prevalent, you know, if the, if the traffic is encrypted on the wire then what Snort sees is is limited to a very large extent. So I would say that a network intrusion detection system is important, but you can't just buy one box of security and plug it in your network and walk away. Um, it's, it's a layered approach, and it's, it's a concept called defense in depth. So it is still an important part, but I think the need for securing things has, has been pushed out to the edge even more. Absolutely. Um, and when I say the actual devices need to have pretty good controls on them themselves. 
I'd say the biggest things that are hitting, and full disclosure, I work for a company that has a very large incident response team, and uh, they are very busy to the point that insurance companies call a lot of, you know, we talked with other incident response firms, and they're at full capacity. In fact, our team is going to, is probably going to double before the end of the year, just wow. because of how much work is coming in the door. And it's, which, which should be alarming if you have a company or if you run an IT department. But the biggest things that we're seeing are twofold. And the ways that they cause, get in and cause trouble are, are sometimes different. But ransomware, which is a, uh, think of it as like a, a, a virus on steroids that comes in and it encrypts all of the files on a, or at least the important files on a machine. And then the machine's unusable. You can't access the data. Um, it pops up a little pop-up screen or a message that says, if you want your data back, then send X number of Bitcoin to this wallet address and we'll send you a decryption key. And this ransomware thing is, has turned into a full-born industry Absolutely. Uh, where they've got help desks, they've got websites, they have chat mechanisms, they have email addresses, and uh, they're making literally billions of dollars a year with ransomware. And so when you're a defender, you're thinking about what, what are they going to go at? And more often than not, the attackers or the malicious people, unless you've got state secrets or something like that, or some, that someone has it out for you specifically to just cause you trouble, they're going to go after money. And so ransomware is a real quick way to get money uh, and a very effective one because they will encrypt your backups and you can't recover. So you're faced with either two months of rebuilding everything and getting things back up and running or just paying the ransom. And the ransoms have, have ratcheted up from you know, a few hundred dollars to we've seen them as high as over a million dollars, wow. which is just crazy. And then the other thing is kind of the, the same sort of path. They're after money. And that's a broad descriptor called uh, wire transfer fraud, where it goes back to the old days when money was being transferred between organizations through literally wire transfers. Now it's, it's pretty much any kind of bank transaction, whether it's, it's payment with a credit card or PayPal or whatever else, mm -hmm. where a decent amount of money is getting transferred between two organizations or two entities. And the sender of the payment is tricked into sending the payment to the wrong place. So a good example is, and here's just a case study, we had a company had their email compromised and the attacker sat in their network for, and in their email for about six months. And they had, they dug through and found the, the finance team and just waited for a big transfer. And this was a, a construction company. And they were going to be buying some big equipment. You know, they, some of these front end, the big front end loaders are a couple hundred thousand dollars. And so they were buying a few big pieces of equipment. The email came in and said, okay, yep, uh, wire the money to this account. And they said, okay. And then quickly and immediately, the attacker sent another email that, that was worded in a very similar way using the same kind of tone of voice and said, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, we changed banks and I had the wrong account number. Use this account number instead. Wow. And so, yeah, so the, the money was transferred to the wrong account, and 30 days later, they got an email saying, hey, I thought you were going to be sending that payment, and by then it was gone. So mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is happening quite a bit these days, and there's different ways that they get into your environment, but most of the time, it's unpatched systems and unpatched services. Wow. So I think the lesson is, holy crap, don't double-click things in your email without checking. Don't make a payment without verifying the right. account number over the phone or something like that. And and for goodness sakes, get everything up to date with patches. For sure. For sure. I absolutely started, Mason. Just like Chris said, make sure you 
double check those things before you, you know, double click or open un, you know, foreign emails and stuff like that. Definitely do your due diligence. I appreciate all of that, Chris, for sure. I, I wanted to ask you this because you talked about ransomware and I actually seen something that you said on LinkedIn. I, I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. You said that it, it has been fascinating to see how ransomware has become an absolute and lucrative industry, which you was kind of alluding to earlier. So I want to ask you, man, like, how did this happen? How did we come to be? Is it because we're always trying to get coupons for free stuff and we like offer some of our security? Like, how did this happen? How did ransomware get to a point to where it is now? Well, ransomware only works, ironically, because of tools that were invented for really, really good reasons. So VPNs were kind of brought in place so that you could securely connect to a remote network. But the really good VPNs were built that people living in countries where they weren't allowed access to information on the internet could use these VPNs like Tor is one of the biggest ones. And they can essentially tunnel their traffic outside their country and have it pop out and they can access anything they want on the internet. The idea was that it will help democracy, it will help freedom, it will help access to information in repressive regimes. That's a, that's a good thing. But it also hides where you're actually coming from. And so attackers use that to hide where they're coming from. The cryptocurrency uh, was initially built so that you could transfer, you know, you can make payments without it being tied to you to maintain your privacy and to make it so that you know, you had control over your money and how it was being spent and make, again, make it possible for, for people to have access to things that wherever they live was difficult. So if you combine the cryptocurrency and VPNs, and then also the speed of computers today, it used to be like even 10 years ago that it would take you know, a day, day and a half for you to encrypt a hard drive. Um, now, I can encrypt entire networks in a matter of hours just because the CPUs are so good at running encryption. So those three things with all good intent have been used to cause a lot of trouble. Thank you for sharing that. And that actually, you know, makes me think about when you talk about things that were created for good intent and now being used for malicious things. It makes me think about the internet of things and how are starting to like hack you know, anything that's connected to the internet. For, for example, like me, I have a, a ICD or like a pacemaker. And so I have to like medical screenings or whatever from my house to my doctor's office. And now I hear stories about ICDs and pacemakers getting hacked, you know, not going after heads and states and stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of wild to think about, man. But thank you for sharing all that insight for sure. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend who works in, he's a director of end user support so all the computers and all the applications that run at this very large healthcare conglomerate. Right. What he's found is that these medical devices actually are pretty poorly set up for security. Gotcha. That's something I need to personally take and look into for sure. Thank you for sharing that, man. But let me ask you this really quickly and then we'll move on. So if I'm a small business owner and I, I suspect that I may be a victim of ransomware or something like that, what's the first thing I need to do? Well, hopefully, but there's going to be a few things that, that like, if you've got a punch card and if, if anyone took anything out of any talk I'm giving these days, it's this. One is you need to have cybersecurity insurance. The industry is still kind of young. And so the, the policies are really cheap. You can get a $2 million policy for next to nothing when you look at, at what the risk is. 
So number one, get cybersecurity insurance, no question. Okay. Because what will happen is, and this is usually how it works with our incident response folks, is someone gets ransomware or someone gets hacked or has a wire transfer fraud. They call their insurance company. The insurance company then, they have a stable of privacy attorneys, so privacy counsel. Mm-hmm. And the, the interesting thing is that the customer usually is interacting with privacy counsel who has an entire playbook for for how to handle these situations. And the, and the privacy counsel calls an incident, re- an incident response firm like, like mine. And then, then the investigation starts. And privacy counsel is there to, to make sure that rules of evidence collection are followed, that if there is litigation, that rear ends are covered, but also to make sure that if there was a release sensitive information like healthcare information or or GDPR relevant information that the appropriate breach notification rules are being followed. So that's the first thing, get cybersecurity insurance. Otherwise you can find uh, incident response firms. And in fact, we have companies that are kind of self-insuring and what they do is they contact us and put us on retainer so that, uh, you know, they pay, they pay X amount of money to have an incident response firm kind of standing and ready. Right. And they pay more if they want faster response. You know, our fastest response is less than four hours. If they get a call, we they have an investigator on the phone beginning to work the case. So that's what I would do. And it's, essentially, that's self-insuring. The second thing is you really, apart from the basic hygiene things like keeping things up to date with patches, limit the number, the number and types of services that you expose to the public internet. Back to your internet of things thing. Okay. If it's not exposed to the internet, it, it's going to be more difficult to attack. So. Sure. One of the biggest things that's getting attacked and causing trouble is uh, is the Windows Remote Desktop, RDP service, Remote Desktop Protocol, it's called. These days, if you are not up to date with patches, like within a week or less of when they're released, RDP is actively being attacked and very successfully to install a number of banking trojans and ransomware. So if, again, if people walk away from this with anything, it's, it's please don't expose RDP to the public internet. And then there's a tool called DMARC, D-M-A-R-C, and it's, it's a way to secure your email servers. And what okay. it does is the email servers then authenticate each other and say, yep, this email came from my domain, and it gets in the way of a lot of, of phishing and email-based attacks. And that's where most of these attacks come through is targeted emails. So anything you could do to protect your email is is a useful thing. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. Startup Nation, I I hope you call all of that. Chris just gave us some valuable information to protect ourselves, not only personally, but also our business. Because I know many of us use the internet for social media to contact vendors through email to even take payments. So Chris, man, I appreciate all of that for sure. And at Startup Nation, I really wish you would take heed to all of that, man, for sure. So I want to kind of switch gears because I want to ask you something that's kind of relevant to the news today. I was coming across an article. I came across an article and said why companies need to improve their relationship with ethical hackers. And Startup Nation, these are people who purposely try to see holes through cybersecurity spaces and companies and stuff like that. And so how do you feel about ethical hackers, uh, Chris, in general? Well, I mean... I was a pen tester for three and a half years, so I think they're just fine. I hang out with several of them, but even had one over for dinner the other night. So okay. um, uh, I'm just joking. But, um, but I think people fall back on, well, we're going to have a pen test done. So, you know, we don't, we'll have our bases covered. If the pen test comes back clean, we're fine. You have to look at what the intent is of that kind of testing. There, is it valuable? Absolutely. 
but it's really only valuable as a mechanism to check if your controls are working like you expect. So if you've got an information security program, you've got rules and procedures to make sure that your firewall ports are locked down, that your systems are patched, that when your application developers are writing their applications and your DevOps folks are setting up your cloud environments, or that your, your Kubernetes is orchestrating your containers, that's all working in a certain way. And what a pen test is, is essentially, I can't wait for the emails, is a vulnerability scan, but then the detected vulnerabilities that information gathering step is then used to attempt to attack and exploit the thing that they detected. So a vulnerability scan looks for potential issues and a pen test tries to take advantage of them and, and compromise an environment. And the purpose of that is to make is to see if the controls that you have in place are working like you think they are. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an information security program, if you don't have controls in place, then all the pen test is saying, yep, you don't have controls in place and your information security program sucks. And what will happen is you'll go through and you'll close those things that the pen test found. But because you don't have an information security program in a week from now or two weeks from now or a month from now, when there's a new vulnerability discovered and you don't have a, a program in place to, to manage all that, your pants are going to be down again and you're going to be vulnerable. So they're very valuable tests. but If you're going to be spending a limited amount of money, I would spend it in trying to make sure that I have an information security program before I'm testing the effectiveness of a missing program. All right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. This episode of The Startup Life is tucked in nice and tight by Philip Stein and the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet. Startup Nation, getting quality sleep is super important, especially for those of us as entrepreneurs. I know for me, if I don't get enough quality sleep, not only do I not perform well while working in my business or exercising, but also it really affects my mental health and that doubt starts to creep in. And that's the last thing we want as entrepreneurs. Also, with everything going on, good quality sleep is important to repair the body and support a good immune system. And that is why Startup Nation, I wear the Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet. The Philips Stein Sleep Bracelet uses natural frequency technology to reinforce our biomagnetic field to improve deep sleep, length of sleep, and overall sleep quality. This helps produce a healthier heart, regulate weight control, and helps strengthen the immune system, which helps destroy bacteria and viruses. Right now, when you go to philipstein.com, use code SLEEPEZ, and you will get 10% off the entire store. That's promo code SLEEP, capital E, capital Z. So if you are ready to be more productive in leading your business, go with the Philip Stein Sleep Bracelet, proven to be natural and safe to give you a better, deeper sleep. Support for The Startup Life is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Startup Nation, personal grooming is super important, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but also from a confidence one as well. And that is why you need to have a tight haircut and, well, a nice groomed undercarriage as well. And when doing that, you don't want to use the same razor, do you? 
That's just absurd. And this is why our friends at Manscaped have given you another option. Introducing the all-new Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. This lightweight and waterproof razor features precision engineered blades for safe trimming in sensitive areas and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Ladies, Father's Day is just around the corner and this will make a perfect gift for that guy on the go. Use code the Startup Life in all caps for 20% off and free shipping on your brand new Lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other products from manscaped.com as well. So for proper manscaping without the fear of hurting anything go with manscape trust me your family of jewels will thank you the startup life is powered by ladder startup nation as an entrepreneur you are the engine that powers your business we have had many entrepreneurs on the show from those that played division two basketball quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, All right, Startup Nation, like welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guests here on The Startup Life. All right, Startup Nation, like so let's get zinc, back into it. So, Chris, tell me D. about Gilware and the work that you do the there, man. Route, well, which Gilware started as a company is high, that did data recovery. So if you needed help back in your systems up or you needed help, like a hard drive failed or a server died, and you needed to get the data off of that server or that hard drive or that memory card or whatever else, they could do that. And in fact, I've seen them shave the epoxy off a memory card and micro-solder little leads into it to pull the information off business. of it. So it's go pretty fascinating and, and pretty interesting. But what that evolved into is the company that I work for now. And that is a company that does instant response work and digital forensics. So if you've got a criminal case and you've got a computer involved, we have someone on our team that actually stood up and ran for a number of years, a cybercrime department in a major police department. And she is a genius when it comes to not just being able to get the data off of systems, but also to analyze it with in a way that makes it still usable evidence. And that's, that can be a tricky thing because as soon as you touch something, you can't trust that it's in an unchanged format. So there's a real art to it. And that part of the company quickly evolved into just incident response. If someone gets a hack or someone gets ransomware or that sort of thing, they call my company. And and at the end of that process, we were starting to get questions. Thank you so much for helping us. I think our company does things a little differently in that we don't just find out what happened. We also help our clients get back on their feet. So there's a strong recovery mechanism to the work we do. And so we've got a good relationship with these folks and they see that we're hardworking people and we know what we're talking about. And they say, okay, how can I make this so this never happens again? And uh, Mm. that question kept coming up. And that's where I came in. Giller hired me. I was a consultant at the time, just doing information security and risk management work with big manufacturers and big finance companies and state agencies and that kind of thing. And they said they wanted to start this proactive information security program that does exactly what I described. And 
So we, we are helping organizations either build an information security program from scratch or, or at least get their information security program to a maturity level that it needs to be for the threats and risks facing their, their companies and their organizations. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And I imagine like when, when you, you get a call and, and you do the service and you do the work and you're able to really help that client out or that organization out, they're very grateful. Tell us about some of those stories where somebody you know, has kind of expressed how grateful they are for the service that you do. Well, when, when they get to us, they are, they've tried to fix it themselves for a while. Right. And realize, holy crap, we're in really <laughs> bad shape. Right. And sometimes when you're, when you're standing too close to the trees, you don't see the whole forest. And, and we can come in and we've got a very regimented, disciplined way of attacking things. We make sure that everything's locked down and we don't leave any corners unswept because it's that one machine sitting in a closet that's got a printer attached to it um, that hasn't been updated and patched in years. And the virus or the Trojan or the malware is or the attacker's remote control mechanism is sitting on that machine. Um, and so if you, don't, if you don't take a real methodical approach, you're in a lot of trouble. So it is a painstaking process. It is a, a careful process. But by the end of it, we've really helped these organizations either recover from their backups in a very short amount of time. In some, and unfortunately, more than a few cases, we're, we're negotiating on their behalf with ransomers and getting the ransoms reduced. Um, and we're helping them once the ransomware keys are delivered, helping them decrypt the host. So we do have a really good relationship. We've had people send us gift baskets and cookies and a cake oh, before, which yeah, which isn't good for my waistline, but um, <laughs> it's really nice. And we always have a, a follow-up call with me and our incident response folks to to make sure that you know everything went well, that they're fully recovered, they're happy with how things went, and then kind of tell them about we can help it so that you never have to talk to the people I work with you know ever again. Uh, they're really nice people, but boy, you don't want to have to talk to them if you don't need to. Absolutely. And and uh, it, it's just it's it's more a you know a, a personal customer service focus. We're we're in the Midwest, and I think we've got a strong work ethic, and we've got people that really do want to embrace our customers' goals and, and help them get to the finish line. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to ask because, I mean, I imagine there are times where, you know, like you said, like by the time they get to you guys, they've been trying to fix it themselves and, and kind of get to that point of like, like, I'm out of my depth here. And so I just imagine that you provide that peace of mind that people are really looking for because I imagine oftentimes and not there's very sensitive information that you're dealing with here. So. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And sometimes huge amounts of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So I know you guys also do webinars as well. I know you got one coming up uh, as of this recording in a few days with, uh, I believe it's pronounced Hausman Johnson or something like that. But it's a a local uh, insurance company. We we do a lot of work with. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And so I want to just ask when you have these webinars and stuff like that what kind of value and what kind of what's your goal when you're doing those webinars are you trying to inform are you trying to maybe uh just kind of help people in general what's the goal with the webinars the goal is to share information there's just not a lot of people specifically trained in information security and risk management and we're a business just like any business and we'd like to get more business and have revenue coming in the door but I think the best way to do that, especially in this industry, is just to demonstrate that we're competent and we know what we're talking about and that we're not snake oil salesmen 
who are trying to sell you the latest thing that's being advertised in magazines. I jokingly call that kind of situation an MBM degree, management by magazine, where <laughs> where you're okay. you're reading a magazine, you see an ad, and you're like, oh, I got to have this. Gotcha. A lot of times what we're helping customers do is the, the basic foundational things that they really ought to be doing. And uh, we find that a lot of people don't do it because they don't know that they ought to be doing it. We come across IT departments that are super smart, very motivated people. And really, ultimately, what they're saying is just tell us what we should be doing and we'll do it. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you this as well, because I know Gilware prides itself on being very affordable. And for what you do, it's highly technical, highly skilled, and not many people are able to do it. And I imagine that some of your competitors charge a pretty penny for their services. So how are you able to strike that balance of being affordable and profitable? I think it's our general approach. We don't sell a la carte pen tests, and we don't sell a la carte little services like information security awareness training. We've We've partnered with technologies for vulnerability scanning and for phishing testing and for information security awareness training. But the heart of our program, and we'll, we'll do one-offs if that's really what the customer needs, but we're, we're working with organizations that have a, a few thousand employees, but they've got some risk, like a, like a small bank or a, uh, that sort of thing, or a credit union was the word I was trying to think of. And they've got just a few IT folks. They're, they're well-motivated. The lights are on. You know, things are working fine but they really don't know what they ought to be doing from an information security maturity perspective or just having a program at all. And so we have worked with some very large agencies. I've worked with some state agencies using the same methodology, but, but what we do is, is it's kind of a CISO for hire or an information security program for hire or CISO as a service or that sort of thing. And what we do is we come in and we do start with a big assessment. We do do a threat analysis and a risk assessment we use that information to build a model of where you ought to be based on those threats and risks. And if you don't have the threats and risks accounted for, you're really not doing your job because how do you prioritize things if you don't understand the threats and risks? But because we have an incident response team and I'm, I'm hip deep in what is actively being attacked these days, the threats and risks are, are well known. And we, can, we have some efficiencies in our assessment process and once we build the big, once we finish the big assessment, we build a roadmap. And that roadmap is a, is a project plan. It's a Gantt chart. And it, it has, what are we going to tackle in the first three months, the next six months, next 12 months? And then what are we going to look like? What is our environment and our information security program going to look like at the end of that time? And let's track it while we're, while we're going through our roadmap. And we don't just drop the assessment off on your desk and walk away. The same person that did that assessment becomes what we call your trusted advisor, mm-hmm. and they meet with you every month. They're the ones that are analyzing your vulnerability scans and your penetration tests and are helping you manage your information security awareness training and your phishing testing and doing incident response and disaster recovery testing and facilitated backup testing. So we do all this work, but it's we're able to do that efficiently because the same person that did your assessment and spent that time to understand your business and your technical environment, and where your data lives, and how it flows, and where your where your flaws are, we can do all that work way more efficiently than if you went and tried to do it in an a la carte way, where each time you have one of those services, they got to start from scratch and learn your environment. So I think that's one of the main ways we're efficient is that we build that relationship, and we develop a depth of understanding of your environment and that allows us to be efficient. And ultimately, you're, you're looking at the number of hours it takes and have a, 
hopefully realized bill rate. And that's how you figure out if you worked or not. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, you can get an instant quote from the website, gilware.com. If that's a service that you feel like you need, I feel like you need to invest in that service, Startup Nation, for sure. We have a link in the show notes for easy access to access uh, that website, for sure. Now, Chris, you guys are, you're not in the Valley. You're not in D.C. or New York. You're in Wisconsin, man. So, you know, have you guys ever thought about moving to another place, or are you okay with being in Wisconsin, in the middle of America? Well, I like Wisconsin just because I can afford a house. But Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, I've done a lot. I've done a lot of work in the Valley. I've done a lot of work in the East Coast. But there's, when I say I'm from Wisconsin, people go, oh, "Do you have a cow?" But there's, <laughs> there's really not a difference. The I have educated people here. Um, we've got a very large Big Ten school in Madison, absolutely, uh, Wisconsin, and uh, we've got MSOE, Milwaukee School of Engineering. Um, we got Marquette. We've got, I mean, we've got real legit schools here and we're, we're two hours north of Chicago. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not out in the sticks and it's not like we don't have well-trained, talented people. But what, what I think we do have, I, I worked with names withheld to protect the innocent. I worked with a large uh, network device company in the Valley and uh, I was going to be interviewing the developers uh, and the engineers. And they said, oh yeah, they don't come in until 1030. Like, oh, oh, Okay. And then I said, oh, do they just stay late? Should I just change my schedule? Oh, no, no, they leave like around five o'clock, but they work from home. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I think in not saying bad things about anybody, but, but the people I work with have this kind of pride in workmanship and a good work ethic, and they, they operate with integrity. And like if they knock off early, they feel guilty and log in at night just to make sure that they get all their work done. And I work with people I respect. I work with people who are competent and work with integrity and I think you find that more in the Midwest than you do on, on either of the coasts. And I'm not, you know, it's a sweeping generalization. I acknowledge that. No, I, I, I agree. I, I understand what you're saying. And I, and I somewhat agree with what you're saying as well. I definitely get that. I guess I was just asking the question because I know, you know, you have a lot of tech and tech startups in the Valley. You have a lot of government entities, obviously, in D.C. And you got the financial behemoth that is New York. So I guess I was just curious based on what you do, if you guys had ever thought about that. But I, I definitely appreciate well, we, your answer for sure. And I, can, and I can travel and do a lot of what I do remotely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if, if, like I, just a few weeks ago, I was in New Jersey, in Jersey City, right across the, the Hudson from, from downtown Manhattan. And then a month, month and a half ago or so, I was out in San Jose. So, you know, it, it, it really almost these days doesn't matter. And in fact, with, with people working remotely, you never know where they actually are anyway. Fair enough, that's true. That's very true. Just thought I asked that for sure. Now, I know you said that, you you know, you people ask you if you have a cow, but I did come across that you do raise alpacas. <laughs> that was just the test that people actually read those bios. Oh, um, okay. yeah, my, my, my bio says that I, 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 in my free time, I raise rugged mountain alpacas in the windswept peaks of South Central Wisconsin. Um, I neither have alpacas nor have I ever raised one. Yeah. And there really aren't windswept peaks in South Central Wisconsin. There's some decent bluffs and good sized hills, but yeah, that was that was just to test if people actually read those. So you win. Oh, awesome! Looks like I passed. Awesome stuff. I do want to ask you this because I know you're into IT and security, information systems, and stuff like that. But let me ask you this, man: people who tend to be in this type of work usually play video games. Do you play video games at all? Oh, sure. Oh, okay. Favorite video game of all time. All time, I burned a lot of hours playing first-person shooters. 
Okay. Um, Battlefield Bad Company 2 was probably okay. the best of the Battlefield series. But even even up through Battlefield 4, I, I was just addicted. A friend of mine and I, um, we call it uh, BSU. And okay. after the kids go to bed, we blow stuff up. <laughs> and uh, so we put the headsets on and just blow stuff up. We, we've recently been playing Astroneer. I don't know if you've heard of that. Not familiar with that one. Um, I'm definitely familiar with Battlefield. No. Not familiar with that one, though. Yeah, it's essentially Minecraft in space. Gotcha. Okay, cool deal. Cool deal. Thank you for indulging me there a little bit. So, CG, man, look, I believe everybody has a superpower. What's yours and why? I think I've got a strong bullshit detector, which maybe doesn't let me fly or be invisible, but (laughs) I I can talk to people in in about 15, 20 seconds, know if if they're trying to fool me. Gotcha. Now, I think that's a very good superpower to have, especially in business, in life, entrepreneurship, and everything else above. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. (laughs) Before I ask the last question, man, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Startup Life Podcast, powered by the Bench Podcast Network. You gave some great value, especially that piece about getting that insurance. I think that's something that really Startup Nation really needs to invest in. Because if you have a business and you're investing all this money in your business, you definitely want to protect it, especially if you're doing a lot of business online and in the cyberspace. So I appreciate all of that. So with that being said, I'm actually going to turn my microphone over to you because, Chris, we talk to a lot of star- a lot of entrepreneurs and people who get discouraged from time to time and either discouraged because they feel stuck in their business or they feel discouraged because they're afraid to start. Give them some words of motivation today, if you would, CG. If you've got a good idea, you can pursue that even while you're, you're punching a clock. But sometimes if your risk, your ability to accept risk isn't, isn't large enough that you can quit your day job. Maybe you've got kids, maybe you've got bills, and we all have kids and bills. But if your risk profile doesn't let you just drop everything and, and start building something, you can look for like-minded people. The CEO at Gilware is, is one of those guys, I would follow him into battle. And he spent 18 months looking for the right person. And I'm pleased to say he thought I was that person to do this, do what I'm doing now. And essentially we're, we're building a business. And I think so far it's, it, we've had success, you know, it it changes over time. But I think the big thing is find like-minded people, find people that are going to help you achieve your dream, share, share the responsibility of that dream. So it's not all just on you, but also be willing to take some risks, but don't let your pride and, you know, geeks are territorial. If, you, if they invent something or build something, they're, they're super territorial about it. But if you're starting something new and you're talking to people about it, if they have critical information, uh, critical feedback, where it says, you know, it, it just isn't right. Maybe if, if you did this, it'd be better. Or if, you know, this is why it didn't work, be willing to change and be willing to, to morph your idea into, into a, a blend of, of what your dream like initial dream was and, and what the market's going to support. So I don't know, take the risk, find people to to take the risk with you and be willing to put your ego aside. I hear that. Awesome sauce. And that's going to conclude this session of the startup life. CG, did you enjoy being on the show, my man? I did very much. I hope I get a chance to do it again sometime. Absolutely. We'll, we'll consider it an open invitation to come back. All right, startup nation. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, Send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. Startup Nation, we tell you all the time that no one does anything great on their own. That includes starting a business or a nonprofit or even becoming a thought leader or an influencer. My point is that you need a team to do it successfully and responsibly. And that is why you should contact DR and Associates. Danielle and her team provide branding solutions along with digital and social media marketing that provide tangible results you are looking for. No matter if you are a Fortune 500 company, or an author looking to make an impact, DR and Associates needs to be part of your team. They are one of the few firms whose leadership has been recognized by Google, which is proof of concept that they are very good at what they do. Contact DR and Associates today to grow your online presence. The number is 615-933-3681, or you can visit their website at drandassociates.com. Also, make sure you follow their Facebook page as well. DR and Associates, providing real clients with real results. Startup Nation, do you have friends and loved ones that you want to do something nice for, but maybe they live in the next city, the next state, or even halfway around the world? Well, I have a solution for you. Koya is the new and best way to let your friends and family know you're thinking of them. Choose a friend, record a message, and hide it in a location that they are likely to visit and give them a clue. When they arrive, your message will instantly appear. You can even send them a gift. Best of all, the app is completely free. Get Koya.com to download it now. That's K-E-T-K-O-Y-A.com. Or check the link in the show notes. Koya, show you care when you can't be there.